This is the beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus! Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores! It's 3-0 United States! Welcome to Bone and Bean United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. Plenty to get into today. We will talk about the U.S. men's national team gold cup. I would call it a failure. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else, of course, everybody else would. We'll talk about that. Uh, we will talk about, uh, trying to think what else we had on the sheet off the top of my head. I forgot. Oh, Pro-Rel coming? Pro-Rel coming to uh, the United States. We have that discussion to uh, get into as well. And you've got something you won't tell me about. Yes. Which is uh, one of your favorite soccer teams possibly getting purchased. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's not Manchester United. <laughs> no, not Manchester United. That, <laughs> that's also happening. That but. you'd like to have, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We'll get into all that and more coming up. Beam, how's the week been so far for you? You know, man, it's been good. Uh, good week. Can't really complain at all. Having some nice weather here uh, in central Ohio, so that's been good. Brought Billy into the station uh, yesterday, so you got to see him for the second time, which was uh, really neat. So we had like a staff meeting, which I feel like we haven't had one of those since COVID. Like it's been a long time since everybody was in the same place, like at the same time. Uh, so that was cool. It's getting to see some people. Like I work here early in the morning. Like I and then yeah. I leave swiftly after my shift, as we all do. Yes, because I'm this like, works. yeah, I I got to go home. Like I, now, I, like I can't really hang out or anything. Like I have a child at home. I need to go to and make sure that Meredith is okay. Like yeah, that she's fine and that he's all right. Um, so she had to work yesterday. Soccer podcast day Thursday. Yesterday was Wednesday, and so she had to work, and we did a little. Baby, we did baby swap. Yeah, because she was coming this way and you were heading home, but so you don't miss each other, she just drops the baby to you and then you take baby home. Yeah, and yeah. so it was cool. I was able to, uh, you know, bring him around the radio station. And it was funny when I left you downstairs and then I went upstairs and, you know, was walking him around the sales department and everything like that. They're like, oh my God, he's so cute. He's so cute. And then he just blah, yep. just puked all on yep. the floor. That's exactly <laughs> what you, you know what? I've gone upstairs and puked on the floor as well. Yes. So it's it's a rite of passage for anyone who comes in and goes up to the sales floor from the radio staff. So that's good. Well, yeah. It was good to see him. He's obviously healthy and looking like he is just having a, a great old time other than around dinner time where I hear he loses his mind. Yeah, so. we call it the witching hour, gremlin mode, uh, mm-hmm. engaged from like 6 to about 7.30 every evening. But once we get past that, like the rest of the hours in the day, he's pretty cool. I know that uh, you were also giving me a treacherous warning about what's to come uh, oh, with well, children this week and what's going had, on with you. Our uh, almost four-year-old has had uh, mm. the stomach bug from hell, and it's not just like – I was only familiar with a 24-hour stomach bug. She's got the one that takes, like, six, seven days to work through. So it's just been – like, last night we got some semblance of peace. Okay. But this was because I scheduled multiple times for myself to wake up in the middle of the night and just check on her and then just perform a wellness check, like, two or three – and Melissa did the same thing. So we've just been – it's like we're having – it's like back to having an infant. Yeah. Because she's she's like – the other thing is – and, again, more info than you need, but whatever. We're here. (laughs) This is Parenting 101, just for those who aren't parents, may never be, just a little slice of our lives. Uh, she's 90% potty trained. Yeah. Like, she knows she usually wears, like, no diaper. You know, we're we're almost transitioned over. The only, the last piece of that puzzle is nighttime and travel. Like, if we're going yeah. out for an extended period of time, just because the bathroom situation could be weird. Yeah. And and she's still at a moment where she's like, I have to go right now. And it's like, well, good news. We're right by the bathroom in our house. We'll just take you in there. We're fine. But at night. So we're still at that moment where she has a diaper sometimes. So 
It's a good thing because <laughs> it's been bad enough <laughs> as it was. I don't know what it would be like if we weren't doing that. But uh, just yeah. get on the ceiling. <laughs> it's something, man. I we have. I I'm no joke. I don't. I've never deep cleaned. A, a, like any room in our house as much as we have cleaned that room in the last week we've cleaned it like five times just top to bottom just because yeah it's welcome to parenting folks it's uh and it's funny because my other two kids they're out of town this week yeah at a summer camp and so melissa and i thought well this week <laughs> all we have to do is like do one little bedtime routine and then yeah. everything will be pretty easy it'll be nice and chill <laughs> and instead it has been the week from hell so yeah it's She's at home dealing with that right now. So if, if you're one for T's and P's, give a little thoughts and prayers up to my wife who's been dealing with Bless moms, a child man. who is... Uh, moms are the best. Oh, yeah, that's why Mother's Day gets a lot more play than Father's Day does. As it should. Absolutely. Um, all right, so enough of that discussion. We'll talk about... Actually, we can basically talk about someone having a their version of a refereeing stomach flu because I'll tell you what, man, the crew got... I, I, I hesitate to use this language. I usually don't say that they got screwed or hosed or whatever by refereeing. Mm -hmm. And even in this game, right, you can talk about uh, the crew's most recent game, which was a 1-1 tie, which felt like in some ways like a 1-1 victory. Yeah. Right? Because All hail Sean Zawatsky. <sighs> what a goal. What a nice shot from him. And, and it's great to see Sean Zawatsky, even though it took a deflection, who cares? Mm -hmm. It still went in. Um, but it's great to see him, you know, getting one on the score sheet. Crew tie New York City at home, one-to-one. One. Before this game, we were all saying it's a need three points there. They are not a good team. Should be a three-point game. Look, Inter-Miami, New York City, not the two best teams in the league, and you've tied them the last two games. Yeah. That's not great. The flip side to that is the refereeing in this New York City game was abysmal. It was a joke. What is the guy's name? Uh, Serge Boyko. Boyko. Yeah. I know it's Boyko's last name. Did not great. And... Apparently, he's only refed maybe a dozen games in MLS so far in his career. He has been, he was awful in that game. He was awful in the midweek game that he refed between Nashville and Portland, right? Philadelphia. That's, or Philadelphia, right. sorry, not Portland. Just a, just a joke. This guy is out of his depth. So we talked to Chris Doran on our show, play-by-play -play man for the crew, and mm -hmm. I'll be 1,000% transparent with you. I had a big-time risk game going on at our house on Saturday evening, which started at... Two thirty in the afternoon. Oh wow! Didn't end until ten o'clock in the evening. I've never played Risk, but that's partially why. Yeah, I, it's. A I lot. don't have time for like an eight-hour board. Well, game. also think about an eight-hour board game in which you want to punch the person sitting next to you. Okay, for, like it's awful, and I don't know why we play it. Literally every, all three of us. It was my wife. It was our good buddy Mike Bennett. Was he's in mm -hmm. town for the yep. summer in Columbus, and we both, we all three, just like. It was an exasperated guess. It's like, should we play risk? And it's like, I guess. Because we know it's awful. Like, it's awful to play. But I guess somewhere in our twisted minds, it's enjoyable. So we didn't even finish the game. We literally took a picture of it and, like, put down on a little piece of paper, like, hey, here's the here's the countries that you have oh and how many gosh. people are in there. So the game is not even finished. And oh, my seven gosh. And, a half hours. and so we have – we've got – our little like dining room area and the living room are in the same same room, but the dining room table's over here and the living room is over on the other side. Right. So we had had the game on. But you're the, you're deeply involved in a game of risk. Deeply involved in a game of risk, but we had Chris on the play by play, which is a great feature on the Apple TV MLS deal. And I mean, I give I give a lot of credit to Chris because he keeps it fairly fairly contained, but he also gets very excited and he is tremendous at his job. And I'm just like, what? 
what in the hell is going on in this game? And he's going nuts and he's screaming and we're going back and we're checking. We're looking. It's like, well, Cucho has been sent off. Like all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. And then a couple minutes later, it's like Wilfred Nancy, like he's gone, like red card, red card. It's It was just, it was madness. And so I talked to Chris this morning on our radio show and I asked him, I was like, man, what? You just described to me what happens if you've been around MLS for a long time, Chris, like what's going on? And like the way that he put it, Bone, uh, so Sergey, what was his name? Boyko, right? Yeah, Serge Boyko, I believe. So he goes, well, he comes from, you know, he's Ukrainian by birth and he's been refereeing in Eastern Europe a lot. And so the way that the game works over there, I guess in Eastern Europe, Bone and I mean, you know this if you're a soccer fan, like they have dissent upon referees is such a big thing. Like they don't want it in the game and they find their players an extraordinary amount if there is yeah. dissent to keep their players from doing that. And so I guess with him coming over to MLS and having that kind of referee style where it's maybe there's a little more give take here in MLS and things can get a little bit chippier and dissent is a little more common that he's like, nope, not going to do it. But I feel like you have to know where you're at and know where you are refing at and the kind of style and like the stakes that are involved in each different country, each different game, like whatever it is, 10 yellow cards on Saturday. Yeah. Three red cards. <laughs> By the way, you're at home and all the, all three of the red cards were to your guys. Wilfried Nancy. It was a strength and conditioning coach and Cucho were sent off. Now Cucho yeah. didn't get a straight red, but Cucho got an accumulation two yellow cards and he's gone. And then in last night's match, Against Nashville and Philadelphia. He's refing that game. No suspension for the ref who caused all this distress to all these, you know, like, again, Wilfried Nancy, usually even killed, losing his mind because this refereeing is so bad. I would put Wilfried Nancy as I would term him as mild-mannered. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. And in last night's game, five yellow cards and three red cards. This time, there was a double red card and then another one. All three had to be players. I don't know if you caught any highlights from that. I saw the double red. I saw the I mean, it was a all-out fist fight between two guys like guy gets dragged down yeah. another guy falls on top of him they're chopping at each other's legs they get up and they're throwing i mean it was a full-on both deserve the red card situation what i always look at when it's not like i don't know a, a, a giant rivalry match overseas where you know these two teams have bad blood for years or there's not like a former player and a, a current player from a used to be teammates and now they're on opposite sides when it's not something obvious like that, the next thing you have to go to when you see a game getting that out of hand as the Nashville-Philly game got, you have to look at that and say, is this a refereeing issue? Mm -hmm. And I think given what you saw in the crew game, everyone was betting on, like, if you could bet on over-under on yellows in this yeah. game, people were saying, go bet the over because you know there's going to be a ton of yellow cards. Uh, it was, and I know Philly and Nashville, two of the best teams in the East, mm -hmm. they are fighting for playoff spots. It's a tense game. It's not that, I mean, like you see some hard fouls. This is nothing like you would have thought that the two teams would have been literally battling in a 120 year war. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't look like anything yeah. you typically see in MLS games. Yeah. And that is, I think directly a testament to how bad this referee is. And, you know, I, I was very frustrated at first and I did go look him up, uh, you know, on Saturday as I'm watching the game, I'm like, ah, he's from Ukraine. And like instantly, I have sympathy for anyone right now who's from Ukraine. Yeah. I'm sure they've been through a lot. And again, I think you can be from Ukraine and also like do your job when you're roughing. I would think you'd want to be, you know, I don't think one has anything to do with the other, but yeah. I did feel bad for him in that sense that like I try to humanize people when I'm so mad about something. I try to find something that I can 
relate to and like about them. And, and in that case, I did feel some sympathy for him because of what he's surely gone through in his home country. But I'll say this, like the refereeing that he did, like you said, they don't take crap over there. Yeah. It is it is a different style of refing a soccer game. That's fine. But for example, uh, in the game that the crew had 13 minutes in, mm-hmm. and I mean, I thought this was fun, but he cards the goalkeeper for NYCFC, yeah. Luis Barraza, for time-wasting. Time, yeah. It's the 13th minute. But and there I, was an offside call on the first kickoff of the game. Right. And, I, I mean, <laughs> it's uh, it's one thing to say we're going to set the tone early. If there was a hard foul and you instantly get up and you get in the guy's face and maybe you even do give him a yellow card. Guys, chill. Chill out. We're not doing chill this all out. day, right? But when you have inconsistent refereeing, what normally happens in soccer is players suddenly start going, I don't know what's a foul and what's not. And so then they back down and then a harsh challenge comes in and they go, well, if that other one was a yellow, this has got to be a yellow or possibly a red. And then there's no call and everyone gets up, loses their mind. And then you get a yellow for protesting the call and or I the believe, non-call or whatever. Right, that's it was. what I mean. Protesting yeah. that there was no call. I believe that's what Cucho got in trouble for was protesting and yelling about something for the first yellow. Second yellow is borderline high boot. I mean, he's trying to yeah. get the ball. Even the guys on MLS on Apple Plus after the you know MLS wrap up show were like, players have a right to try to play the ball, and he wasn't. He didn't like jump and aim at the guy's head or anything. Right. It was just it was a little bit of dangerous play. The guy dipped his head and got kicked in the face. It sucked. Maybe it's a yellow, maybe it's not. Usually an official would go, well, I gave him a soft yellow before, so we're not going to card him there. Mm-hmm. This is the problem you have. And then, of course, Wilfried Nancy losing his mind over all this. Uh, I have some quotes from the coaching staff from the non-crew game, just so you can understand. This is not just us going crazy. We're going to talk more about this. Uh, we will also talk a little bit about the debacle that happened with the U.S. men's national team. We'll get into that next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. can of course get in touch with us on the podcast at bone beam united i know a lot of people are pretty frustrated about the refereeing in the crew game on saturday night uh, and we of course know the crew they're going to portland this weekend to, which depending on when you're listening to us could be in a few hours but they are playing portland that is on the road wilfried nancy will not be a part of that as mls decided to uphold that suspension and then tacked on another one mm-hmm. they gave him an extra game which I believe this is the last game before League's Cup, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then he will be coaching in those games. Uh, the the crew are guaranteed to play St. Louis July 23rd and Club America July 31st. Those will be cool games to watch. But then when they get whatever happens after that is up to, you know, tournament. It's a round robin tournament. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. This is. Whatever. I think this is a dumb cash grab by MLS. <laughs> I will watch these games because I'll be interested to see how they play out. But either way, the point is he'll be eligible to coach in those games. But then when they play Hell is Real, which is the first game back after League's Cup. Home. Home. Here. Hell is Real. Lost the last one. Lost the last one. Uh, Eastern Conference, division opponent, never mind the rivalry. You're not going to have your head coach for that one either, mm-hmm. which is stupid. And this is because MLS doubled down on the stupid from uh, Sergey Sergey Boyko. But... Uh, I want to read you the quotes from Gary Smith, who is Nashville's head coach. Okay. If you're not familiar, Gary Smith has been managing an MLS for quite a long time. He has been around the block uh, in some ways, like Wilfried Nancy. Yeah. This is not his first time managing an MLS. He knows what the standard is here. 
he was talking about how you know their game didn't go the way they wanted it to. Um, they lost two to nothing to Philadelphia, which of course is going to make you mad, right? But Gary Smith said uh, the first thing was their finishing was not up to par, and and uh, clearly the crew could look at their performance and say, hey, we yes. did not get a lot of great performances outside of we got some great goalkeeping, mm-hmm. and we had a couple guys who looked like they wanted to play, but everybody else it was it was kind of running in water uh, or running in like mud. But Gary Smith said, we didn't finish. We didn't do our job. But the other issue was obviously officiating. Here are his quotes. I think it was very, very easy for everyone to see in the crowd that this inexperienced referee, which is what he is, we looked and saw he's only officiated 10 games in MLS, looked way, way out of his depth here tonight. It wasn't just some of the decisions that were made regarding penalties. I, in fact, felt as though they were both penalties against us. It certainly looked as though there were clear-cut fouls. That's not what I'm criticizing here. There were so many other decisions within the run of play. In fact, Leading into the second penalty, looked a foul on Daniel Lovitz, which was obviously frustrating for him, and I'm sure that was part of his reaction, but a very, very disappointing night all around. He went on to say, like, we're looking at these plays and we're looking at some of the concerns, and we're seeing these are our guys are committing fouls and they're not getting called. Yeah. We were noticing our guys were definitely fouling them and it wasn't getting called. So he goes on to say, and then, of course, the game gets away from him. The players know that. They're not silly. They understand and see somebody who's just a million miles away from where they know that official should be. So now certain people start taking advantage of it. And and he goes into all that. And that's how they got to a point, like I was saying earlier, about how Philadelphia just, it, it became much more physical and it went from there. But we've lost the plot. They've lost the plot. Dude, I don't know how Sergey Boyko works. I, I don't know how MLS pro and pro, of the, the pro referee group, yeah. I don't know how they can run him out there for MLS games. Go send this guy down to USL 2 or something or whatever, MLS whatever it's called. I don't even know what they call it. USL <laughs> something else. championship, whatever they're trying to name these things. I get, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. So I guess I should learn, but the point is <laughs> this guy does not need to be working high level MLS games. Certainly not games involving the top teams in the league. There's it's beyond me how they're letting a guy with this level of experience who is terrible at his job, ref these games. Unbelievable. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. So again, I mean, five yellow cards in last night's game, three red cards. 10 yeah, this, yellow cards for the crew and their game against NYC on Saturday and three red cards in that. And yeah. the last two matches bone, if you 10 plus five plus three plus three, that is 21 cards that he has doled out. Yeah. That is more than one card per 10 minutes in both of these matches. Chris Doran said this, uh, he did the same math you did, except he added in the total fouls, 22 fouls in the crew game, 25 fouls in the Nashville game man is called 47 fouls in two games. Mm. You only have 180 minutes. Right. By my math, that's like a little, that's one every quicker four. than one every four minutes. This guy's yeah. whistling a foul. Like, is that the, is that the flow you want? MLS? That's what I, that's what I want. Is that what you're looking for? Is every four minutes you want your game stopped by a stupid foul? I mean, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I, I do it's not bad for the this. brand. It's bad for the product. It's terrible for the product. And for anybody that's watching it, they're clearly going to look at this and go, this for people who want to say MLS is not up to the standard that you see in Europe, right? It's not up to what you see in Europe. It's not English Premier League or Spanish League soccer. Fine. We understand that the the budgets are not the same there, right? There's no reason the refereeing yeah. should be this inferior to what you see when you watch the Premier League. Correct. You should have people who are of the standard. And I saw, are you aware of Ted Uncle? So Ted Uncle is like a longtime referee in MLS. Okay. And there is, I want to say her name is Christina Uncle, who is either... I can't remember if that's his wife or his daughter. Either way, Christina Uncle is on Twitter, and she's been saying, like, guys, it's real easy to criticize soccer. 
referees. You don't know what it takes to do this. And it's like, I know I don't know what it takes. But I also, I also watch it be not that bad more consistently than what I just saw. Yeah. I also know that I don't know how to cook a great meal at a five-star restaurant. But if I'm paying for five-star restaurant yeah. and I go there and the meal sucks, I can say like, hey, I don't know what you did wrong, but this isn't working. And I just don't, I've never liked that logic of unless you've been there, unless you've done it. Uh, so what? I, I also know that when a guy misses eight free throws in a row in a fourth quarter of a big playoff game and they lose by three, I'm allowed to criticize a basketball player for not hitting any of his free throws down the stretch. I don't know what it's like to make free throws in a big time game like that. I also know that it sucks when you miss eight in a row. That's what we do as sports fans. Yeah. It's not off the table. All right. Also, uh, I guess something else to just get mad about. Uh, the U.S. Did, not, <laughs> U.S. did not get the job done in the Gold Cup. Beamer, how much do we care about this? Um, I don't know if we care a whole lot. I mean, you look at the roster and what did we just win? Nations Cup or Nations League? Yeah, the... the the United Nations, the U, the UN. Yeah, we, we won. won the, we, the, won the we won the UN, UN Cup. Yep, that's right. So we just won that against Canada, and you felt really good about that situation. Uh, this one, I listen, man. They do this with the Gold Cup a lot, right? I mean, when you're not in a big World Cup here, it's kind of treated like uh, academy isn't the right word, but hey, you come on, you put the stars and stripes on, and we'll see what you can do. Um, you want to win. I mean, when you're in these competitions, you ultimately you want to win these games, and. I thought for the better part of the last two games, I mean, you look at the last game against, who did they play last time when Canada. they went out? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, they played them in yeah. Cincinnati and they went to went to penalties, right? They looked yeah. like they had their feet stuck in the mud. Nobody really looked like they were playing. They were lucky to get two penalties. Um, and then they get the penalties. They ultimately win that shootout. And then last night, I thought they had some good opportunities. They couldn't do it. They fell down in extra time. I actually watched this entire match. I don't know why. I couldn't sleep last night. Good for you. Yeah, I watched the entire game, and then I was frustrated because I didn't go to bed earlier, and they lost. But, yeah, I just, like, can we not can we not trash talk either in the penalty, like, oh, penalty line? Matt Miazga is, I am so sick of him. I remember a few years ago where he had the thing with Mexico where he did the little, like, you're too short kind yeah. of thing. At the time, it's like, ah, it's USA-Mexico. This is a fun little rivalry thing. Now you're trash-talking Panama. What did trash Panama ever do to and you, man? And you're not even that. You're trash-talking him on penalty kicks? Like, that's just such a nod. You're in penalty kicks, man. And you made yours. Good job. Nice. Walk back. High-five. High-five yeah. Turner. Walk back to the line. Then go Then go talk to other. Yeah, just you go talk to their guy. I just I thought that was really low class. And you know what? Sports gods did not mess around with nope. that. Soccer gods said, okay, time to go for the U.S., but... I'll tell you this, my takeaway from the, the Gold Cup, uh, two things. One, Jesus Ferreira, nice, yeah. right? Like the fact you've scored that, that goal you had last night. Yeah, good, great. Assist by Jordan Morris. What? How do you get the assist? By doing something that anybody off the street could have done, and then Jesus Ferreira took it and made a world-class play out of it. But whatever. Anyway, Jordan Morris with the assist. Put that in your record books. I'm sure Greg Berhalter will remember this three years from now when we're playing the Rose Bowl for a freaking World Cup final, and he's going to throw the oh, – God. Anyway <laughs> – the point is, Jesus Ferreira acquitted himself well. Matt Turner, good to see him yep. doing his thing. Outside of that, you can leave the rest of these dudes home for the most part. For me, I, I didn't feel like anybody really that came out of this pool that I'm like, oh, yeah, there are must-adds to that pool. That yeah, maybe they'll develop in three years' time. But yeah, but for now, whenever you got high-leverage matches, you need to be bringing it. And that's what they did, right? They sent all the European yep. guys off to a break because they had the World Cup, a full club season, and then played in the Gold Cup or the whatever the other one was, League Nation Cup. Yeah, the UN Who Cup. cares? Yeah point is that i get why this was a second run lineup but let's not see it for any high leverage matches going forward thank you
Uh, we'll take a break when we come back. The thing I keep forgetting that we're going to talk. Oh, yeah. Promotion relegation. My favorite topic of all time. We'll get into that next. You're listening to Bonavim United. Always tweet us at Bone Beam United. Follow along. We are, believe it or not, a few days away from the Women's World Cup. Yeah. So we will be next week breaking that down, getting you ready for the Women's World Cup. Hopefully, the U.S. women's team, the actual good U.S. soccer team, we will <laughs> be once again pinning any World Cup hopes this country ever has on the women's team, as is tradition. Nice, so. uh, nice send off against Scotland. Little two nil win. Yep. Trinity Rodman brace scored a howitzer oh. of like a twenty three yard. I mean, it was awesome. Excited yeah. to see what Trinity Rodman does in this tournament. And and yes, there's like like we've talked about. There's still the Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino. You know, they are still send-off part of this team. Like, yeah, yeah, pretty much their send off. Right, they are yeah, still. Rapino came out and said, "I'm retiring after this, I mean, yeah, this we, season." We know, right? This is it for her. But it's that next generation that now gets a chance to stand up and flourish and. There's the, I don't want to say the, the tweeners, right? There's the Rose Lavelles who are that bridge. It's her team now. That's it's what Rose's I mean. Team. This is Rose's team. This is that generation. It's their time. But you have the Trinity Rodman generation coming behind them that are also really good. And so we got to find out how good. This is where you measure it. And meanwhile, around the world of women's soccer, these other countries are not falling asleep. They've gotten much better over the last 20, 30 much years. Much better and much better what they were four years ago. Yeah. So it's going to be a tall task England, for the, the women's good. national team. Oh, England's, England's so good. There's there's quite a few teams to worry about. So we'll get into that when we break down the Women's World Cup Might have week. something special for you next Might week. have. Yeah. Might have. I can't give it away because I can't confirm if I'm going to be able to talk to this Same. person or not. But mm. that, that, If that happens, the thing you're talking about, if that does occur, what a big coup. What a coup that would be. (laughs) I'm going to call it a coup. That's what I'm going to say. So the United Soccer League, the USL, is set to vote on whether to adopt promotion and relegation between its divisions, according to The Athletic and ESPN. Uh, This is the professional level currently comprised of the championship and League One divisions. See there, we got it right. That would be technically the second and third tiers of soccer in the United States behind MLS. They then also have a semi-pro League Two. That is, you know, again, much lower down the totem pole there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, don't forget, MLS has MLS Next Pro, which is not involved in this. Yeah. Although some of those teams kind of were involved in USL. But anyway, MLS Next Pro is its own, basically, Youth reserve league. It's a reserve league. Yeah. Right? So it's the reserve teams. They are, yeah. So just like Manchester United has its U21s or mm-hmm. whatever, they don't play in the championship English championship, right? That's a whole, those are actual first teams playing there. That's what this is. It's like Barcelona too. They play in, I think like La Liga, La Liga too, or like the third division, but like there's something that they cannot, like they can never make it up to La Liga. Right. Like they right, can't, right. That cannot happen. Well, right. And in England, they, they don't even do that. Right. Those teams will play they're in like, their own. They can play in the, they'll play in like a Carabao cup or something in a low, but they're never going to right. They're not going to be able to advance and play their right. own team. That kind of yeah. thing. Like they're not, entered in the FA Cup or anything like that. Yeah. Like they have their own like their own schedule and their own basically playing and governing entities, correct? Yeah. So the Athletic report indicated the USL would like to add a third league to the system and then make promotion and relegation more enticing and that it could begin as soon as next year. Wow. Now, they have a board of governors meeting scheduled for August 9th through 11th in Colorado Springs to gauge the interest of USL owners. And here's where I I think this all becomes very interesting, at least on my end. 
because promotion relegation is a system in England that has been there for forever. It's been in place for many, many years, and people have grown up with it. Team owners that are there have all bought into that. They know what they're getting into. It's a very, very high-stakes game. Of course, right. But everybody there knows, and that's why a lot of you see a lot of owners buying in at the third and fourth division or even the fifth division. More on that in a second. Mm. You see these owners buying in saying, well, maybe if we pump enough money into this club, we can get them up to these higher levels. That's a perk for them. In Major League Soccer, and then, of course, USL being a totally different ownership group, different league, different everything, owners are buying into those leagues saying, well, I'm guaranteed my team is going to have this rate of return, this level of standing, especially in Major League Soccer, where their their buy-in now is hundreds of millions of dollars. It's rather bloated. Yeah. I mean, some would argue it's a pyramid scheme. I don't know if it is. I wouldn't. Uh, you or me <laughs> definitely wouldn't argue, argue that. Mm-mm. No, never. All I'm We've never is, done a full podcast on that No, before. never. Not at all. <laughs> What I, what I think is when some people see promotion relegation for the USL, that is going to be something that could be uh, getting USL on the map. Yeah. More people to watch it. More people will be in, in, interested in that. And if you're a USL in a city where a USL team exists, that could be fun, especially if you're in the second division of the USL, which is the third division of US soccer. It's not going to, I don't think, mean a lot for MLS. It means nothing to MLS. Right. Like the I, The only way that, to me, promotion relegation becomes relevant for those second third fourth division teams is if mls is sitting at the top of that going and you can come into our league too which i don't think happens unless mls develops its own second division yeah and in the way that would work i would guess is they'd probably absorb some more usl teams with the caveat that yeah you can come in here but we're not guaranteeing you you'll ever play in mls you're going to be an mls two or whatever to start and there's a financial commitment there but beyond that, we're not promising that you're going to get up to MLS 1. And that would all have to be part of their television contract, like with Apple TV. I could see that occurring. Well, I could also see it happening where MLS owners and Dong would also say, like, well, why would we include you when I can have other people who are interested in buying these teams at these bloated prices for hundreds of millions of dollars, create their own team, go to a city like this, and then just create our own basically round robin of two leagues and be MLS one, MLS two, whether that be 36 teams or 38 or get to 40 teams. Like well, that's that what be, I mean. I think they, if they ever get up to 40 they teams, would, but, but, to, but for MLS to do this and you know that the way that they work, they're after everything. I mean, look at this nation's league or whatever champions league coming up here in a couple of weeks time. Like that's a money grab. That's what it is. You're stopping yeah. your MLS season to play in this new, like made up tournament. Like that's all a money grab for them. They're not interested in the business of doing any, anything like, Oh, look at the USL. Like they've got a good product down there. We'll extend the olive branch to them. They have, they have no interest in doing that unless it's returning on their investment in bottom dollar. So I yeah. have a hard time imagining unless you're saying, Oh, here's a $150 million entry fee to come up to MLS. Then sure. We're yeah. happy to welcome you. But the, other than like, there's just no way the pro rel people will argue this will this is what it will take to get all the soccer snobs to finally watch MLS. We have promotion relegation. Is that what it is? That's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take, apparently. <laughs> but here, and again, I know maybe it sounds snobbish of me to say it this way. I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm saying this to you. I'm telling you this right now. There are people who like MLS soccer. There are people who watch their local teams. Mm-hmm. If you believe for a second that 90% of the MLS teams wouldn't have a disastrous financial year, at least when it comes to ticket sales, merchandise, et cetera, if they get relegated. If DC United gets relegated to second division, that is an old MLS market that obviously they're not going to ever leave. Mm -hmm. It's a big city and all that. 
D.C. United struggles for relevance in the D.C. sports culture. If they go and are a second division team for the entire season, they will be forgotten about, yeah. and they have to get right back up. If they don't, if they spend two or three years down the second division, people will say, why are we? Why did we pay for this stadium? Why are they getting all these resources? What? Why does this team have to exist if we're just going to play minor league soccer yeah. in a league they already feel like is kind of minor league, fair or not? Mm-hmm. It'd be one. I think that's the biggest issue that promotion relegation faces. And for USL, it's fine. USL is a minor league thing. So yeah. you, if the Clippers in Columbus got relegated to Double A or what, I, who cares? All right, I'd still go because I'm not going for that. Yeah. When you say it's oh, the crew are now playing in major league soccer, they won MLS championships. Crew get relegated to second division. You're that's not sell, selling it. You're not selling sell that streak. place out for 10. That sellout yeah. streak ends, folks. I, I don't mean that as like there's fair weather fans. I mean that as people just go, oh, the thing that we thought was a little bit We're more. We're not pro- playing the best now? Okay, yeah. I'm out. I, American sports fans, the general sports fans do not get that. Hardcore soccer fans get it. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They don't need to get you. They've already got you watching and paying attention to some level of soccer. Right. It's up to you to figure out why you don't pay attention to your local MLS team. But promotion relegation ain't. I don't think that's the magic bullet that a lot of people think it is. I really don't, but that's just me. Coming up next, we'll take a break, and we're going to find out about a surprise. I have Beam has told me about something, but then didn't tell me any details. Told me a team that he likes is getting possibly bought, and the purchaser is interesting. So we're going to find out who that is next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. So uh, Beam and I have a lot of soccer interests. We have a lot of teams. We watch, obviously, the Columbus crew. They are our local team here in Ohio. Beam is a massive Manchester United fan. My fandom for English soccer is with Sunderland. However, this year I have adopted my new team is going to be Aston Villa. That's right. I've already got a jersey. And they're going to get relegated. That's right. My Scottish team is Celtic, for what it's worth. I'm trying to think. Oh, my Spanish team is Real Madrid. I've already established that. Vinny and Luka Modric. Mm -hmm. That's right. I have to figure out my German team if I'm going to go Borussia Dortmund or or if we're going to do Union Berlin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, in in Italy, of course, I'm going to go with AC Milan this year because Mr. Pulisic. Christian Pulisic is over there. And so that's going to be a big deal. But you have a soccer love that is well beyond the second division of English soccer, Mm -hmm. third division of English soccer. Tell me about Southend United. All right, so as you, if you're a, if you're a listener to this program, you know that I'm big big shrimpers guy, right? That is what their nickname is. The Love shrimpers. the shrimpers of Southend United. There's a shrimp in their crest. There is I... a shrimp in their crest. Okay, they are located in Southend on Sea, which is on like the east coast of England. And I had a British professor in co- in college. Okay, and the way that this has worked out is because my buddy and I were starting a career mode on FIFA and we looked at the lowest worst rated team in the English system. And it was South end. And we're like, let's take them to glory. And yeah. We brought them up and we got them to the premier league and we got them to champions league. And I want to say like Neymar was our leading goal scorer. Like we, we want everything you possibly could with South end brought them up to glory. So much so that we've gotten involved with this team that we bought jerseys. We bought, oh, we bought wow. South end. So I've got a, not throwback, but this is probably from five years, five, six years ago. Got a South End jersey. Yeah. I was wearing it to class one day, and the professor st- halts. Yeah. Halts what he is doing and whatever class it was and looks at me and goes, is that a South End shirt? Yeah. And I was like, yes, it is. He goes, why the blank are you wearing a South End shirt? And I'm like, <laughs> well, you're a big fan. 
And he goes, buddy, people from South End aren't even fans of South End. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, man, stop yelling at me about my life right, decision. Right, And yeah. so I I follow them. I cheer for them. Now they're down. They're with Wrexham. Well, Wrexham's gone up. Like they're Wrexham now- is out of the fifth division up to the fourth division this coming season. South End is still in the fifth division, which is barely professional soccer yes, at this point. It's called the Conference Premier, if you were interested in to know which uh, which conference. It's tough, buddy. So they've, they've um, you know, they've come under a lot of financial scrutiny. <laughs> Their owner is wanting to sell the club. And they released a statement yesterday about, like, the process and having to pay debts and all kinds of stuff. And it's long been our dream before Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney mm-hmm. Ruined it for everybody, and now you've got, like, Jordan Spieth, who is buying into, like, Leeds, and you have J.J. Watt, who's buying into Burnley. Like, it's now the cool, like, in vogue thing to do. Right, because LeBron bought into Liverpool many years ago, but that's buying into Liverpool. That's not – that's an obvious move. This – and I don't blame LeBron for that. He's LeBron James. He shouldn't be piddling around with other soccer clubs that are lower than that. But – this is now the celebrity in vogue thing to do of course. is go buy you a team. No one's ever heard of turn them into a Netflix series or a Hulu series. I wanted and then to do they... that without the Netflix or Hulu series and just bring right. them up to like the premier league. Right. That's what you, you want to get the shrimpers in the, in the prem. It's been my long, I will drop Manchester United like a bad habit if they ever get to the <laughs> premier league. All right. I love that. That's like great. I will just, I will drop them immediately. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. will be at roots hall or their proposed faucet farm stadium, which has mm. been in the works for the last 15 years, but they don't have the money to build it. Wow. Kind of like Luton Town. Yeah, right. right. Like they got up to the Premier League. They're doing that. I will be at the first Premier League match ever if Southend we'll take ever the show. gets there. We'll take the show. We'll do whatever we have to to get over there and do it from a hotel room or something. We'll so make they, it happen. They came out of the club statement yesterday, said we've announced the decision to sell the club on March 17th, and what I said remains unchanged. I want to find a buyer to take our club forward and maximize its potential. And this was news to me. I'm like, I haven't been up on my Southend news. Like, what's going on here? Said if I had the choice to continually update our fan base on sale negotiations, then in most circumstances I would. I would have long I will I've long appreciated running a football club, but it's not like any other business. There's a community to answer as well as many others. However, the nature of selling an asset such as a football club means details cannot be shared. It's kind of the same thing that's going on with United right. as well, of like course. the guitar sale and all that good stuff. Said I've never hidden from talking to fans, as I hope many would testify in the approach. Unfortunately, it's not possible to share confidential details of any possible silence. The silence naturally leads to rumors. For complete transparency, following my statement in March, my intention has never been to make money out of the sale of South End. And then he goes on and yada, 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 talks about everything. He said, there has been much discussion on social media regarding the front runner to purchase this club. And I'm like, I haven't seen anything about a front runner to purchase South End United. Like, who could this be? Celebrity invoke thing to do. You don't know who this this person is. I don't know who it is. This unnamed I'm so person excited is. to find if out. If you had to take a random stab as to who the celebrity frontrunner is to purchase Southend United. I don't know. Any I, celebrity in the world that would. I mean, how big of a celebrity are we talking about? Pretty blank and big. Is it someone? I mean, I feel like they'd have to. Are they involved in sports ownership now? Like, are Yes. They, yes, they are. I don't know. This isn't giving me any good. I, I don't know. Is it like an, another NBA player or something? So like, this this article came out in May. Okay, I had no clue that this was even happening. Okay, and we're running rampant right now with all kinds of rumors. A-list American actor Dwayne Johnson could be part of Southend's United future development. The Rock is here. (laughs) The Rock is here. I saw that yesterday, and I about pooped my pants. I'm like, you mean to tell me I've been living in a life for the last two months where I didn't know that The Rock was going to purchase Southend? I just need Jim Ross to be there in stadium announcer like, The Rock, my boy! 
hole. His hair to stop a mud hole in him. Good God. <laughs> I can't imagine JR getting anywhere near a soccer stadium in his life, but if he did, he should for that. Oh my gosh, if The Rock buys your team, beam. Yeah, but now people are going to be like, oh, cool, South End. No, no, no. Don't worry. You yeah. were there. You have the old jersey to prove it. I'm going to go buy one on eBay right now so I can not look like a front runner. I want to get in on the South End bandwagon. Are you kidding me? I just can't wait for him to walk out of the middle of the field and go, finally, The Rock has come back to South End on Sea. In yes. front of dozens of people. Dozens of, <laughs> for the dozens in attendance and the millions. Yes, that's right. The Rock. Oh, I love it. Uh, it's the best. I love it. Make I, the sale happen, damn it. I want let and I want Shawn Michaels to buy like I don't know, a West Ham or something. Let's go. Let's get all the old wrestlers doing this. <laughs> all right, that was fun. I'm glad we got to do some wrestling with the soccer. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Bone and Beam United.